Hi, I'm Maeve Doyle. You're listening to A Private View. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about the rise of street art and the Banksy effect. And the questions you have to ask yourself is, when does vandalism become art? Uh, For some people, it's a doodle on a bathroom stall that makes them smile. For others, it's the moment they encounter something on the street. Graffiti has long had a controversial history, but in recent years it's evolved and been reinvented into a high art form. Many people think that's because of Banksy and his effect on the market. More and more artists who appropriate public space are also harnessing the market forces uh, for their own gain. Artists like Cause, Stick, Invader... Mr. Brainwash, who is featured in the Banksy Oscar-nominated documentary Exit Through the Gift Shop. So the world has come from blue-chip masters to street art in auction houses. This is something in the 90s and the 80s that would have been unheard of, but it's happening now, and it's, it's making the art world exciting again. The term graffiti often refers to guerrilla artwork on inner-city walls and train lines, uh, you know, a movement that was popularized in the late 60s and 70s. You think of Herring, Basquiat, uh, other artists of the time, Fab Five, Freddy, I can see Blondie and Burroughs and Warhol, and that whole era was was one of the earliest forms of graffiti where tagging or the elaborate use of typography was encoding painters' names on the side of buildings or subway cars. The, the idea was to find the most inaccessible location, one at the greatest height, but with the maximum visibility, and outdo your competitor. So go higher, go stranger, go uh, on over a highway. That was part of the game. Graffiti alienated the power of commercialism and government infrastructures. Street art was a form of rebellion, a form of activism. It was often viewed negatively by uh, politicians or affluent communities. Uh, I remember being in Arizona in the 90s and there were people who volunteered to drive around the neighborhood and citizen arrest. There's something called citizen's arrests in the States. I don't know if it's here. But they would volunteer to do citizen's arrests of anyone they saw tagging or, or making art outside. Amazing. At the time, I even thought it was amazing. And now it just seems unheard of. Uh, but, but they thought that graffiti was associated with gang culture. So they thought they were keeping their neighborhoods safe. We've come a long way since then. We don't see graffiti as a form of violence in the same way. However, it is still illegal. There has been parts of society, and I firmly believe it's because of the Banksy effect. The Banksy effect, just to give you a little bit of insight into what that is, it was a term coined by a journalist named Max Foster in 2006, pardon me. And the Banksy effect illustrated how Banksy's success affected the way society saw street art and graffiti. Uh, He was anonymous, creative, and omnipotent. He always hit on political issues. And his popularity was 
general popularity as well as art world popularity. And when I say art world popularity, I say that with my a little bit of skepticism because the art world certainly didn't want him in competition with old masters uh, where he is right now. But back to what I'm trying to tell you about the Banksy effect. What to some was vandalism became a collectible, and that is what Banksy represents. He would be among the first of the street artists to go into Sotheby's. Uh, he made it he made it possible for cause, stick, Mr. Brainwash, Invader, and to certain extents, new artists like Lefty out there to enter the auction houses and create these fine art careers when in previous decades they would have always remained outsiders. So what I've done today is I've collected a few interviews that I I did with people like registrars, uh, a registrar who remains anonymous, but who has over 15 years in the business, in uh, the blue chip end of galleries. So she would have been dealing with Van Gogh and uh, Vermeer, high-end art. And now she's seeing the majority of the market being street art and the Banksies and the causes. And it seriously... It's remarkable because it was such a rapid and fast change. You'll hear an interview with her. I have gone around the behind the scenes at a, at a on a sales floor. You'll hear in the background albeit noises of art dealers pitching Banksies while I'm looking at the work, waiting for them to come and talk to me about the work. I uh, walked down Bond Street and looked in the window of Sotheby's, of course, with their Warhols and Lichtensteins is another Banksy for a September auction and uh, found Shop Till You Drop, the famous 2011 Banksy that went up, I think, on the 19th of November, shortly after the financial crash in the same year. In broad daylight, the scaffolding was put up, the tarpaulin was put up, and the next day... Sunday the 20th, all of it came down in this beautiful Banksy piece. It's so it's, it's fading now, but it's a, basically a woman being dragged down in this great fall by shopping a shopping cart. And in the shopping cart, you see wine and jewels and her wallet. This is only yards away, meters away from Bond Street. Let's listen to some of the interviews and I'll... Um, stop in and tell you more about the Banksy effect and why and why he's unapologetic unapologetic and continuing to grow talking about the rise of the Banksy effect in the art world and the art market uh, going behind the scenes and finding a registrar a registrar somebody who's in charge of the handling of art internationally customs forms documents uh, there's databases, who sells what, art markets. Someone with a unique and behind-the-scenes point of view on the effect of Banksy and street art on the art world is a registrar. So I'm here at Maddox Gallery with the head of logistics to speak to you about what she's noticed, who she is, and how the art world has changed since the Banksy effect 
blanketed the world of art as we know it. Thanks, Maeve. Um, so, as you mentioned, I am currently the, running the logistics department here at Maddox Gallery. Um, with focus on Banksy, um, what I've noticed in my career, which has been across for nearly 15 years, starting in museums and then developing into going to blue chip, um, high-end, expensive artworks, now working at Maddox, kind of using all my experience to... Um, as a blueprint to kind of help Maddox develop the same standards and the same levels as blue chip galleries. Um, but focusing on Banksy for a second, I would say, you know, we, we've discussed previously that you would never class Banksy as a blue chip artist other than perhaps recently. So I think that definitely helped. I mean, any kind of, any way of putting your name on, on the front pages of newspapers for an artist is going to raise their, their profile, which... Um, therefore raises the value of their artworks instantly. It's key to mention that Banksy doesn't have a PR team. He does this as part of what he does. He's a genius at getting his name and the work he does and the events he does in front on the front page of newspapers, and that's key to his success. Uh, carry on. And oh, by the way, uh, I traveled down Bond Street yesterday, and they're already advertising at Sotheby's in the window another Banksy, a NOLA print, same as the one we have upstairs at Maddox in September sale. And it's sandwiched in between Old Masters, Warhols, Lichtensteins, unheard of when we started out in the art world. It's amazing, actually, if you think... When Banksy started, you know, he was probably, you know, he literally was just a street artist just trying to, you know, put his political or social views out to the world. And they, it's transpired into becoming an artist, an art form, a medium which people now collect um, in terms of, you know, his, his prints. But it was, I think, initially like a, a, almost like a political statement or, or a fashion statement, however you see it. Whereas now, like you say, you're seeing Banksy's being sandwiched between masterpieces in the window of Sotheby's, which I think he's an example of what an artist can be, especially in this day and age. Um, I guess it was a similar journey to Basquiat, maybe, um, who we never saw the same journey because obviously he isn't around now. I'm so glad you mentioned it. This morning I was over at the Barbican looking at the 2017 Banksy uh, that went up hours before the Basquiat opened at the Barbican. Barbican notorious for zero tolerance policy for graffiti did allow this piece to go up. And I do believe if there's a political or social statement with Banksy, he was questioning whether or not a stop and search would still happen to someone like Banksy, even though he's famous. The hypocrisy of the art world, uh, also his own journey as a street artist and how it, it probably developed on the back of the work that Basquiat did, although we didn't know it. So as someone who represents career-wise the art elite and uh, what blue chip is, which means a lot of money if we are to break it down in layman's terms, the resistance for the causes, the sticks, the Banksies going into the auctions and being legitimized 
uh, created huge debate. Did you hear people behind the scenes debating the legitimacy of street art when it was starting? Uh, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, um, again, with Banksy, like I was saying, it's kind of you could class it when he initially started. You know, people classed it as vandalism, uh, and now you know it's it's being sold for hundreds of thousands, if not millions. Um, I think it's. I don't think his journey was necessarily motivated to become an artist or to be represented by a gallery. Um, it would be interesting to know actually how he feels about his artist, his art being, you know, in the same category or in exhibitions where Picassos have been shown. Or, um, but I do think people question if it is art for sure. And then with that, because he's become so popular, there are going to be so many copies, and it, you know, it is an easy. I say easy, you know, not lightly, but it's it's a it's an easy medium to copy. You know, it's something that you see in posters, you see on cards, you, you know, greeting cards, you see um, on walls which aren't authentic Banksy's, and you know, hence why Banksy's do come with a certificate of authenticity. How is that different than a Van Gogh I see on a necktie, or an old master's reproduction at a fine? poster shop I mean I know you work with uh, clients and you work closely with collectors who want to collect Banksy yet it seems to me that these concerns are more heightened than they would be with old masters and yet we know that the case of copies and frauds in old masters is greater yeah that's it's it's, uh, <laughs> it's a tricky one, I think. I mean, with uh, artists like Picasso and Van Gogh, and um, you know, there is, they obviously don't come with certificate of authenticity, and uh, their careers are established, you know, post death. Um, and with Banksy, it's, it's, I guess, the message is maybe slightly different in that he was being controversial. You know, you look at um, YBA artists who kind of follow the same motivation you know like Tracy Emin with her bed and um, Damien Hirst with his shark you know there's there's this real kind of controversy that they want to explore but they also really want to share with the public um, in terms of uh, copying Banksy's which you know you you do see a lot of and you know Van Gogh ties or whatever I think um, at the end of the day collectors art collectors are art collectors you know they want the real the real work they want that to be part of their collection they want that authenticity and that's why um art especially contemporary art now comes with these certificates rather than just to rely on the gallery's sales invoice to state the authenticity of the artwork it's an interesting phenomenon most of you will know if you're banksy followers that pest control was set up in 2011 prior to that uh, from Bank Robber Gallery, we were selling the walls before they were painted over by the council. And there's a, there's a lot of controversy over that, I can assure you. But the fact of the matter is, graffiti is vandalism in this country. And if Banksy or any other graffiti artist paints on your wall, it's your property because you own the building. And about the collectors, the collectors who wanted it were very serious, very seasoned collectors, the George Lucases for the Museums of Narrative Art. 
Uh, I know I've taken you away from a very busy job. I'm going to finish up now, but I'd like just to talk about the importance of a registrar in documenting, preserving, giving condition reports, making sure that the work is intact before someone collects it. And along with a COA, potential collectors should be speaking to a registrar about the care and conservation of a work. Can you comment on that? Yeah, I mean, a registrar's job, I think it's it's one of the, the jobs in the industry, which perhaps, you know, when you're studying art history or, you know, whatever um, art degree you're maybe doing, you don't necessarily know about a registrar role. I certainly didn't when I was studying at university. Um, however, it's definitely one of the core backbones uh, department of, of the gallery, and I'm not saying that because I, I am one, <laughs> but... Um, in terms of from the point of sale, regardless of whether it's a museum or a um, or a gallery, um, from point of purchase, sale, whatever you want to call it, it, it's, it lies in the hands of the registrar. So they're responsible for ensuring the condition of the artwork is um, good as it should be, as it was sold. They're in charge of the logistics of it, ensuring that it's packed safely and correctly ensure they have to ensure that the work is you know loaded onto the truck certain mediums can't lie on a truck in certain ways certain angles um so i appreciate that that perhaps sounds quite dull to a lot of people but it, it's basically the way i see it is it's the care it's the from a to b um, of an artwork so from getting it to from the gallery to the client there are so many stages in that process and the registrar is in charge and manages every single one of those stages from database uploading, updating to the overall care of the work to dealing with the client. You know, we are become the face of the gallery in terms of representing, you know, our aftercare, our client services. Um, it's, it's not just logistics. It's a huge role in terms of customs, paperwork, making sure we're doing everything that abides by UK government rules, HMRC. Um, so there's a lot of different angles with, within the registrar department. Um, and a lot of galleries split up a registrar department because there are so many roles within the one job. Um, and it's definitely a breed that takes that job. So it's definitely a type of person with a certain brain who's very compartmentalized and organized for a reason. I can see your phone ringing and I see a line up at the door. Also, it's a busy building site. So I'd love to do this again with you. But I wanted to say to whoever's listening, if you are at all concerned about what you're purchasing, who you're purchasing it from, uh, whether it's authentic or not, be sure to port purchase street art or old master's art, for that matter, from a gallery with a registrar. They will base their reputation on good condition, a good investment, uh, good quality art artworks that uh, will likely hold their place in history. So thank you very much. I hope we speak again, and I'll let you get on with your day. Thanks, Maeve. Definitely would love to. I'm under one of Banksy's most famous social commentaries. It's a piece called Shop Till You Drop, and it was painted in November 2011 on the side of an office building on Bruton Lane, where I am now, only a few minutes from Bond Street and Sotheby's Auction House. 
Uh, it's known as the falling shopper and depicts a woman falling from the top of the building, clutching a shopping trolley that contains a few items. The items as I see them are jewelry or a necklace, a bottle of champagne, her wallet, and a shopping cart. Uh, Banksy's aim, it is said, was to point out the perils of consumerism. This piece was done after a financial crisis in 2011. And the story goes, he used scaffolding and tarpaulin to make sure he wasn't caught in the act of painting the piece in broad daylight, which is what he did. He painted the piece in broad daylight. It's uh, more than two stories up, and the tarpaulin made it look like a renovation that was taking place in the uh, in the building. And of course, if you know this area, renovations are taking place all the time. Um, the facts are the scaffolding went up at some point on Saturday, the 19th of November, 2011. Uh, two men who looked like construction workers draped tarpaulin over it. And at 3 p.m. Sunday, the 20th of November, the scaffolding was removed and the Banksy revealed. It's 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 known as shop to drop or the shopping Banksy. And uh, the comment from the critics is it's a, it's a sign or statement about consumerism being an authority figure controlling this woman and ultimately causing her demise. If you have the opportunity, turn off of Bond Street, down Bruton Street, onto Bruton Lane. Have a look at this beautiful piece. Not only is it the stenciling, but it's some of the painting, the shadow. It's uh, old and faded now, but absolutely breathtaking. At 34 to 35 Bond Street, I'm standing at Sotheby's, established in 1744, known for auctioning fine art. And in the window, they are advertising Banksy's Green Nola. The estimate is 50,000 to 70,000. That's for a paper piece. It's sandwiched in between a Warhol and a Lichtenstein in their front window. Uh, Sotheby's knows that although they're an auction house and for years they've been selling old masters and fine art that the biggest bang for their buck comes from street art and since Banksy shredded his girl with balloon piece here in 2018 they've been featuring a Banksy every year because it puts them front and center in the public eye so if you're walking down Bond Street have a look at the window you'll see the Banksy Nola a victimless crime. What's the goal? Does it change the world? And graffiti artists have a vision, and Banksy has a strong vision, and his vision is to challenge consumerism, to laugh in the face of money, uh, laugh all the way to the bank, some might say, which is a famous Groucho Marx joke, I think. Yeah, I'm laughing all the way to the bank. And to... Uh, influence people. If he really does have a partner who sits in Parliament, that would be amazing. Um, the Banksy effect influences Extinction Rebellion, global warming issues. He made massive comments on Brexit, on COVID, uh, 
the way we live as a culture, uh, this there's no doubt in my mind that in a hundred years, Banksy as an artist will be someone that we remember standing out above everyone else as an artist who represented the society we live in. There's still rumors that he is actually Damien Hirst. We know they both were born in Bristol. Uh, we know that Banksy's first piece that was commissioned, I think, by Bono from U2 that got into auction was one that was of the chambermaids sweeping things under Damien Hirst's spots. And it was the Hearst piece that got accepted into the auction, and it was defaced, that's a graffiti term, by Banksy, commissioned by Bono. The stories are part of it. The people show up. Uh, but anyway, that was the first recorded Banksy piece or street art piece in auction, and it's significant for that reason. When Banksy put out the book, Wall and Peace, which was in every bookstore imaginable, uh, including Urban Outfitters, which is in, in itself is a statement. Uh, a statement because they're not only catering to the upper echelons of society in the Asselines or the Tashins, those kind of bookstores. They're putting them in Urban Outfitters, Uniqlo. It's a big, it's a big deal to break down uh, the elite marketing campaign that exists on in city centers uh, and he continues to do that and he continues to be successful at it which is which is amazing it polarizes people um the fact that banksy's work is at the same time selling for hundreds of thousands sometimes millions of pounds at sotheby's has changed the art world without question. I think I might be repeating myself here. Let's go back to the beginning. Street art's closely linked with hip-hop culture. Um, as such, many of the artists began working in New York, but there was also Bristol and London, West London in the 90s. So at, when the guys started working, and I say guys because it was predominantly guys, they weren't thinking about money. They were thinking about activism. So Keith Haring Basquiat uh, became the first famous graffiti artist who crossed over. Uh, when Basquiat had his show at the Barbican in 2017, a bar the Barbican, which has zero tolerance for graffiti, Banksy managed to get two pieces up and preserved by the council. I think it's Tower Hamlets that does Barbican. But wh whoever it is, it, it managed to be exempt from graffiti policies. One is of the stop and search, which was an amazing comment. Uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat was an African-American, and he would have been stopped and searched, like Michael Stewart was, by the police if he was caught hanging. And the other piece is a little piece of a Ferris wheel, which apparently was... Uh, one of his metaphors for cars and with crowns all over it, which spoke to Basquiat. As pranks go, Banksy's Girl with Balloons Shredding in 2018 was his most sophisticated. It was meticulously planned as a piece of action theater performance art, uh, choreographed and put onto social media. Not only 
did he make fun of the art market, the art world, the media? In, in a sense, he made fun of collectors who actually paid more for it. Uh, maybe he made fun of them. Maybe he delivered the goods because that actually was a piece of history. Where to begin with it? Begin with frames. Street art should never be framed. People wonder why street art is framed. And then to think that Sotheby's missed a device that was planted in the frame of the girl with balloon, a device that was set to shred the piece at the time the hammer fell on the over 800,000 pound price the piece was going for, is extraordinary. I mean... Jaws dropped and the picture was hustled away. Uh, nothing has ever really been that exciting since. He repeated a similar room with Sotheby's the next year, 2019, when he put the devolved parliament into the, one of the first floor rooms at Sotheby's and it was set up like a real courtroom, installed in that sense. Uh, I wonder if every year... Banksy won't do something to make the auction house seem a little more interesting. It, it uh, calls into question the auction house. Are they, are they actually working with Banksy? As I said before, it's rumored that he's married to someone who works for Parliament and gets things passed through for him. That talks again to a two-tiered system where there's some laws for some people and other laws for other people. Uh, let me keep it about the art world, though. The incredible rise of Banksy's work means other street art is considered worthy of auction houses. At the turn of the millennium, the art market was still relatively small, and now it's booming. Everyone is collecting art, and there are a lot of people who have money and want to spend it on art, today and during lockdown and their entry point is buying into urban art and nothing is more desirable than a Banksy. Uh, they read about Banksy's work selling at Sotheby's and they want to be part of the action. They want to be on the front lines and they want a Banksy in their house. Many, many of them can't afford it. Some of them can. Uh, but as a result, pest control was set up to monitor the market. Uh, pest control means you need a COA, you need things authenticated, authenticated by Banksy. And this may, if you have an inquiring mind, make you wonder, well, wait a minute. If he doesn't exist and no one knows who he is, how can he have an office and, a, and an authentication process? And who does his taxes if he doesn't have a name? And how does he pay his taxes if he can't get his bills? And, oh... How do you authenticate a piece when it's meant to be graffiti and it's now on a piece of paper? It really doesn't seem to stop the sales. Um, the Banksy effect is growing and growing and growing. Have a listen to me in, in a gallery with sales guys in the background. But just to hear the liveliness, the dynamism in the, in the gallery will... If I compared it to another gallery at the same time, you wouldn't hear a sound for maybe a week. And this is going on when there's Banksy work in a gallery all the time. Have a listen. I'm in an office of a private gallery and I'm looking at Banksy prints on the wall. Uh, the same piece was in 
Sotheby's window last night when I was walking by. It's for an auction that's happening in the fall. And in this gallery, in a silver gilded frame, there's a Banksy Nola, the same piece that was at, at Sotheby's. I can hear the boys talking in the background. The edition is 289. This piece is 274. Think about that. Think about it. Do the math. It's stamped and editioned and signed and comes with a CMA. They can sell it for 90,000 pounds. That's the asking price. That's an edition of 289. <laughs> That's a lot of money when you sell out the edition. Over here, I have very little helps. Uh, if you have, think you've seen it but don't know the title, it's three kids with their hands on their hearts as they raise a Tesco flag up the flagpole. It's an edition of 299. It's uh, 151, and I'm told that they can get 40,000 for it. You also have to ask yourself, how does street art become a print? Madness. I'm just walking past a Pulp Fiction one with John Travolta and uh, Samuel L. Jackson shooting people with bananas. Uh, over to Queen Vic. Queen Vic unsigned, but with the Banksy stamp. It's an edition of 500. The Queen Vic you probably have seen before. It's Queen Vic sitting on the face of another woman. Uh, allegedly, Banksy made it in response to a law that Queen Victoria made saying lesbianism doesn't exist. Uh, unsigned, this one is still asking price of 20. Uh, no COA. So this is a really healthy market for Banksy prints and street art in general, known as the Banksy effect. Courting controversy at every turn, Banksy continues to be one of the most highly sought-after artists in the world. And while he's largely dismissed by art critics, his work has enormous popular appeal, as demonstrated by the many column inches dedicated to his latest stunts, as well as the many auction records he's achieved over the years. Banksy's satirical painting of the House of Commons, invaded by chimpanzees, sold in the Sotheby's post-war and contemporary evening sale for £9.9 .9 million on the 3rd of October 2019. The piece itself was huge, four metres in width, uh, titled Devolved Parliament, and was painted in 2009. The pre pre-sale estimate was just 1.5 million. So the ultimate price, the price that was realized on auction night was just short of 10 times what the auction house thought it would, it would achieve. Despite much evidence to the contrary, there's still many out there who believe Banksy is none other than the YBA sensation Damien Hirst. Though the theory has been discredited for a long time, the two, Hearst and Banksy, once did collaborate on a piece called Keep It Spotless, which features a woman dressed as a maid pulling up the edge of one of Hearst's spot painting in order to sweep under it. The piece sold for $1.3 at a Sotheby's auction in New York in 2008. I don't know what we'll be reporting this time next year, but I can assure you it will be something 
extraordinary. You've been listening to Maeve Doyle talk about the Banksy effect. Thank you, Kirsch and Homie, for producing as always. And the Banksy effect is is a reason to watch Invader cause the rising price of basket, herring. Those are the godfathers of Banksy, but also the Mr. Brainwash, who was in the documentary Exit Through the Gift Shop. I don't know of another artist who had, oh yes, I do, Steve McQueen, but I don't know of another graffiti artist who've had an Oscar-nominated film other than Banksy. His associations with Hearst are large. Uh, continue to watch. He will continue to be exciting. I, uh, I am quite sure of it. It's a, it's a gift, and it's not going anywhere. I, um, I'll probably do something else in Banksy in six months because the truth of the matter of Banksy is he is more exciting than any other artist currently working, and he will have done things that are newsworthy um, in six months' time. So expect to hear from me again. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, and thank you for listening.